Welcome to the Threads Podcast, where you'll hear true stories of all kinds submitted by people in your community. We encourage people from all walks of life to submit their true stories on threadsstl.com. Don't worry, you don't have to be from St. Louis to submit a story. That's just where it all started. Today's story contains subject matter that may not be appropriate for all ages. When I walked through the front door, I saw my sister right by his side. He sat there in his favorite armchair, staring right through me. I had never seen this look before. He looked empty, as if his soul, what made him, him, had disappeared. Two years earlier, my summers were spent with my friends, poking fun at each other, riding bikes, and picking honeysuckle from the neighbors' yards. Back in those days, there was no summer day camp to go to. Not for us. Our neighborhood was our camp, and if you had an older sibling, they were the ones we'd check in with at home base. I was friends with pretty much all of the kids in our neighborhood, a good mix of boys and girls. I had a couple crushes here and there, but that was about it. For the most part, I was more focused on taping my favorite pop songs when they'd come on the radio. But one day, one of my friends and I were walking to what we called the candy store, when I saw this boy at the end of the block. He was by himself, bouncing a ball against his house. He was wearing stonewashed Levi's and a cut-off football jersey that day. He looked strong, and there was a maturity about him that wasn't like the other boys. We knew who he was. He was one of those kids that lived just on the outskirts of our neighborhood, whose face everyone knew, but no one would really ever talk to. He was a loner. He was our age, but he drove, which was odd because none of us were actually even old enough to drive. He was a mystery, and no one knew quite how to take him. I, on the other hand, was intrigued. And then he dropped the ball. I swear, it came rolling towards me and landed precisely at my feet. I picked it up and tossed it back to him. That was the moment that changed things forever. Thanks, he said and grinned. I blushed and kept walking. We were inseparable after that day. He was chivalrous, and I felt like no harm could come to me when I was by his side. We had this secret life together. We lived it alone. No parents, no friends, just us. Two years later, I found myself writing my parents an apology letter. It was also my goodbye letter. I couldn't face them. They were good parents. I had just been better at hiding the truth. I left the phone number to where I'd be and waited. Within a couple of hours, I received a phone call. I heard my father's voice on the other side. Come home. 
I asked my boyfriend to take me home immediately, and I trembled as I opened that front door. And that's when I saw my father's face. I remember that his eyes were so wide that I could see that white all around his brown irises. My older sister was there. She was holding his hand and looking directly at me as if to say, You did this. I felt so ashamed in front of both of them. I sat at my father's feet and began to cry. He took his time, and when he was ready to speak, he simply asked me, What are you going to do? I told him that I was going to have my baby and that I would raise it the best that I could. And with such a lost look on his face, all he could say was, But how? How? I knew I didn't have an answer that would make sense to him, so I stayed quiet. Every word that flowed from his lips seemed to drain him more and more. When he didn't know what else to say, he just asked me to go to my room. After a few minutes, my sister came into my room. Her tone was loud and she talked fast. I couldn't keep up with everything that she was saying. She told me that there was no way that I could have this baby. She insisted that she was going to make an appointment for me to have an abortion as soon as she could. All I could do was cry, and she left the room. She knew it hurt me, but she didn't see any other alternative. As difficult as it was going to be, she knew that I would just have to come to terms with it. After she left my room, I fell asleep. My eyes were swollen shut from all of the tears. A couple of hours later, I got another knock on my door, and this time it was my mother, who had just gotten home from her nursing job. She'd heard the news by now, and although my mother was the number one person in my household that I clashed with the most, she was surprisingly the most gentle. She laid her hand on my back and asked, What happened? By this point, I was so emotionally exhausted that I asked her if we could talk about everything the next day, and she agreed. We never talked about it again. Later that week, I was taken to the abortion clinic by my sister, and on my first visit, they told me that I wasn't far enough along for them to perform the surgery. I was forced to reschedule. The thought that maybe this was my second chance and that I could somehow stop this terrible thing from happening crept into my mind. But two weeks later, I found myself back at that clinic again. This time, they were able to locate the embryo. The baby. And they sent me back for surgery. The doctor walked in and sat down right in front of me, looking at the chart and laughed as he read it. Fourteen, huh? And he shook his head. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I made no expression at all. As the electric armchair raised in the air and then laid me back, 
a nurse asked me, Honey, are you sure you want to do this? You know you don't have to. I just gritted my teeth, held in my tears and my breath, and shook my head yes. She injected me with something that would put me to sleep, but only after I felt that life being stripped away from me. When I woke up, there was no one in the room with me, and my pants were crumbled up on a stool about five feet away. I was disoriented and terrified. Hyperventilating as I put my pants on, a nurse ran into the room. She quickly grabbed a paper bag and made me breathe into it. Then she led me into the waiting room where I sat with a couple of other women that had just went through the same thing. Strawberry fields played in the background as we all stared off into space. For a long time after that, I would cry when I saw a mother with her baby. I wondered what our child would have looked like. I would hold my arms as if there was a baby in them when no one was watching. When I prayed, I prayed to the baby. I prayed that it would forgive me for what I had done. I would suffer, but I accepted it as my penance. I never talked to anyone else about that day until 12 years later. As my sister and I sat in front of her fireplace, talking about her inability to conceive a child, I felt terrible for her and I wished there was something that I could do. I tried to encourage her and tell her that it would happen for her someday soon. She never seemed to take that well, and I wondered why she just couldn't try to be more positive. I never expected what she said next. I noticed my sister wiping away tears from her face, something I rarely ever saw from her. Then she confessed something that had been in her heart for a long time. She told me that she thought God might be punishing her, or paying her back for what she made me do 12 years earlier, and that maybe we could have made it work. I had a beautiful baby girl by this point, and I had decided that if my life wouldn't have followed that exact path, that I may not have had her and I couldn't imagine my life without her. I knew all too well how it felt to carry guilt around, and I would never wish that upon anyone, especially her. Yes, I could have hated her, but I knew that she had been the one appointed to take care of the issue, and I knew that no one actually knew what to do. So she did what she thought was best at the time. We all do. I had already forgiven her. Who I hadn't forgiven was myself. And apparently we were both feeling the same way, punishing our own selves for more than a decade. I gave my sister the permission she felt she needed to forgive herself, and I felt the room become lighter. We decided to stop the self-torment, experience true healing, and I believe unlocked the door to blessings that were just waiting for us to allow them in. A few months later, my sister was carrying my nephew in her growing belly, and we were closer than we had ever been before. 
As for my first love, we stayed together for three more years after that. And then we naturally just grew apart. We wished each other the best life could offer and never regretted what we had been through together. Today's story was written by R. Fanning and read by Carolata. Threads is produced, directed, and edited by Carolata. Music by Ben Sound. While you're here, go ahead and subscribe to Threads if you haven't already. And if you want to hear your true story brought to Audible Life, submit your true story or essay on threadsstl.com. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, get in touch with us directly through our website. I'm Carolata. We'll see you next time.